I couldn't help but look at my life and nothing it, my recovery wasn't guaranteed and so Whoa. yeah so imagine looking <laughs> All right, what's going on, everyone? You're watching Emory TV or Vision Paradox TV, or you might be listening to this on Spotify or iTunes as a podcast format. Today we have Galit the G Friedlander. <laughs> I like how you added the to G. <laughs> the G. But I've known her since 2016, a few for a while. But I think it was like before 2000. Before th- I think it was through Antics. Through and Antics. I, I and think then... that was 2015. Was it? It had to have been more. Be- yeah. Wow. Time flies. I know. Yeah, and I've, as far as I... <laughs> just a quick heads up, this the, this podcast is very open format. Whatever pops up in, in terms of my curiosity, I'm going to ask her, like her client that we were talking about earlier, whose name shall be unknown. <laughs> but yeah, so Galit, I've known her, I know her through Antics. She's one of the an, uh, one of the amazing choreographers and, pro- and professional trainers around the NoHo area, and she'll go to you. She'll work with you across the East Coast. She's an amazing, dedicated fitness instruct instructor and i think she she also works with the la sparks uh so it's called the spark kids there you go they're an official dance team for the wnba la sparks yeah women's basketball team yeah so let the crowd know a little bit about you and your origin story and your credits and your social security number so my whole life yeah do i stare at the camera we can talk this way or do i like forget the camera okay yeah. um well, this is generally how i do it like we generally do this but if you want to like make a point like uh, say you're gonna shout someone out like hey I'm like shout out uh, to my mom you yeah. gave birth to me there you go like that <laughs> <laughs> shout out to mom <laughs> Edna okay so kind of like who I am where I'm from and what I do yeah okay that's a lot uh, please okay so I'll give the very distilled version but if there's anything that you'd like me to elaborate on I will yeah okay so I'm born and raised in New York City and I moved to Los Angeles 12 years ago and so I like to say in terms of dance, born, raised, and trained mostly in New York. Damn. Yeah. Manhattan, I used to go to the, the club, city? Manhattan, Damn. also known as Manhattan, Ooh. but also known <laughs> as Manhattan. Um, <laughs> so I trained in theater and it was crazy. I went to performing arts high school. It's known as the fame school because uh, it had like a movie and series based off oh. of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, is that the legit name? But it's because of the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And I went, um, so LaGuardia, and I studied in theater, so I did four periods a day of theater for four years. Wow, that sounds like a dream dream for theater kids. It was, it was, and I was also a miserable high school student. I was like, I felt like I didn't, I didn't fit in with the kids who don't fit in. So you're the outcast of the outcast? Yes! Wow. They like knew I wasn't their type of weird. I was weird to them. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to the regular kids. (laughs) But but there were none and I wasn't regular either. So I would do that and then I would train and dance after school. And then, uh uh-oh, I was like sitting on my mic. Oops. So yeah, so I went out to LA, actually transferred to college out here, got a degree in communication. And I share that because I feel like I was wondering so heavily how am I going to integrate going to school with my journey in the arts? So I did that, graduated, and then spent time. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a professional dancer now. And was like, fuck, there's no path really, or at least then tra- clear trajectory if you're doing more hip hop and stuff yeah. to the industry. Yeah. And then fast forward and... Personal training started when I was 14, I was 15, and I had been dancing for a couple years, yeah. and I wanted to get better as fast as possible, and 
I learned that if you do the proper physical training outside of dance, you're going to be a better dancer. Mm, and so yeah. I started with a personal trainer, me and my friend who's a ballerina. I was split that. It was crazy how we made it work. And so I just got really curious about training. And so that was a seed that was planted. And I always was showing people exercises. And I was made fun of it for high school. They're like, yeah, show me how to get abs. Oh, God. They were because I was like geeking out about it, and they were like, "Yeah, show me that dance wow, you, move again." You were really into it in a young age. Yeah. Wow. I because right now, because because of the whole Instagram thing, I felt mm-hmm. like everyone's becoming a personal trainer. But mm-hmm. you've been in it before it was actually in. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm happy that if it's healthy, then I'm happy for more people to be in that. I feel like we need motivation. Mm. Um, but I definitely organically got into it, and then. In Los Angeles, long story short, I basically connected with a gym owner, started teaching a dance class at his gym, and then realized, like, people don't want to dance in this gym. They just want abs. So I created an abs class, started shadowing him as Mm -hmm. a trainer, and then got certified and started taking on clients. So there's that. So I'm a certified personal trainer. I've been teaching dance for over a decade. I started assisting when I was 16. So I'm about to be 32. I'm into sharing age. Sometimes I like not to because wow, I don't want to be pigeonholed. You? you are? Yeah. Dang. You thought I was older than you. Dang. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you look eight. No, I'm just kidding. Because you, you have more of a mature spirit compared to a lot of my contemporaries. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've gotten I mean... both. So I'm like... So I'm so self-conscious about over-speaking about myself, but I realize this is an interview. This is your, <laughs> yeah, she, I, one thing we I, I failed to mention, she does have her own podcast called Dance Speak Podcast. Make sure you go check it out. So she is normally the one asking the questions. Now <laughs> it's my turn. I'm flipping it because I actually did this uh, podcast mm-hmm. way back in the day. Uh, and now it's kind of fun to be back here, but kind of asking this you the questions. This is fun for me. <laughs> so you can expand as often as long as you can fit in an hour okay okay, because <laughs> okay, i know okay. you gotta you gotta schedule totally so so i pursued dance as a professional dancer i was also choreographing yes this is all simultaneously i really enjoy wearing different hats and they lend to one another and so i don't even i'm like i've taught at a bunch of different studios i've gotten to guest teach at broadway dance center i sub regularly at movement lifestyle and then there's a, a list and, and i'm proud of the work that i've put in as a teacher it's interesting because I feel like I need to lead with like I assisted and choreographed for Prince back in the day and I have oh. some fun names on my resume and it's interesting because I feel like I need to lead with that but really what I'm proud of when I teach is my background teaching mm. and then I created the Dance Speak podcast available on iTunes and Google Play Music and we have a few episodes up on YouTube if you look up Dance Speak so some peppered in but as much as I love the visuals I know I won't get it done so big props to you if we <laughs> film it because it's the team is like me and Dakota who helps upload it and then we've had people help out over the years but dance speak I created because after being in the dance world and hitting like the 15 year mark I was finally getting to be in rooms with people that were the ones that would have that like do the hiring and yeah. that have really been in it and when I heard the gems that they shared I was like this can't end with me and oh, then yeah also adding the human personal connection to this industry which is so much about like appearances oh yeah so yeah i think that's something i I get some dms uh, about people who are not from la Mm -hmm. and i've i've 
I filmed something of me actually answering them. I haven't shared it yet, but they're they're asking like what to expect moving here, what to like how what are the auditions like, and and then they ask like is it normal that you have to re- get a regular job while you're doing this, and like that is the reality. There's so, so many. I'm obsessed yeah. with that question because there's so many different answers to it and ways to look at it. And if that doesn't take away from anything you're doing, I would recommend put them even in touch with me, and I can definitely yeah you know contribute and there are so many episodes where i ask people that have like made it what their view on side jobs are mm. and i've got i mean even do you know craig holloman no sorry no it's all good so him and Lindsay b work together a lot and he does i'm blanking out on names but he does i consider high-end choreography jobs and a lot of industrials and basically like gets hired by big companies and artists and all this stuff. And in his interview in 2017, at least, he was talking about how like he happily drives for Lyft because mm. you don't know when the next job is and not, and he enjoys doing it. Like he's such a real person. He likes meeting those other people in the car, yeah. but he'll do like a job for Mac choreographing. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's really, you know, being okay to live that, to be humble with it or to go have a side gig or actually have that because... Because our industry, that dance industry, is not like a consistent thing where you show up to the office and you have a set of tasks to get done and then you clock out. It's more like, here's the length of the project. Once it's done, it's done. But I've also known people who refuse to get a backup job and say, if you have a plan B, you're preparing to fail. Which my whole thing is like, if you can make it work with what your viewpoint is or wholeheartedly test it out, awesome. I knew that I personally, I don't feel good like crashing on people's couches and not putting Mm. it down but I always need to be financially independent and for me that just means I need to pay my own bills and be in a home that I'm comfortable in and so knowing that I needed that it was a no-brainer that I'm gonna have income no matter what yeah but I know other people that they like at least it seems like they can live live out of their duffel bag and are not afraid to ask friends to crash at their home if they don't have a place to sleep. I can definitely relate more on needing the income while Mm -hmm. building this because having that having that feeling of scarcity of like not not being able to pay pay the bills because you're all in on one thing is scary. Yeah. And it kind of of, for me from my past experiences like it it, uh, my demeanor changes because I feel more desperate to try to get things because I need it to pay rent. Also, it's important to me to always have health coverage, to um, eat healthy food, to have a lifestyle that I'm comfortable in because I never, well, no, I used to feel like this, but I don't feel like my life is going to happen one day in the future. It's happening right now. Yeah. So in the right now, how do I want to feel and what do I want my experience of life to be like? Mm. That's definitely one thing that not a lot of people consider because there's, I almost feel like a lot of people are always trying to be like, I want to get the thing that's not here yet mm-hmm. and it's hard to not a lot of people are appreciating the process that they're in one thing i always because you, you didn't mention that you you were in theater a lot how did you get into what was the first style of dance you started doing okay like how did you get into eventually doing hip-hop so aside from that one year of ballet i did when i was six i woke up one morning i live, remember this morning vividly i was 12 almost 13 and i asked my mom why i never went back to dance after i quit when i was six mm-hmm. i had quit because my teacher danny was awesome and she moved away and the new teacher was boring to me so i was like i'm not doing this anymore uh. and so i wake up six years later and i asked my mom like but why didn't i go back and she didn't know and i didn't know isn't that crazy it just popped into my head and so that was how i got back and yeah. i started i took a jazz class because I think that just sounded exciting and it was on the schedule of the nearby studio. 
And then I always wanted to do hip hop, but it wasn't. And when I thought of hip hop, I thought more of break dancing, but it wasn't widely taught in studios yet. It was still oh, yeah, more so underground. That's true, yeah. So I had it in my mind, and I think it was just when I started dancing, I fell in love with everything. I was taking jazz, and I took ballet to get better at jazz, and then the same studio had an open hip-hop class. So I took the open hip-hop class and loved it. And this teacher, thank God, she was teaching foundations. Oh, hey. And teaching us also about popping and locking and soul train. and You know, I know there's a funk styles, but the different styles that lend themselves to the street culture and where each one is in relation to the other. And I started taking breaking, even though I like I wish I knew how to break dance. But that it was just immediately within a year, I was hooked to everything. Wow. I'm curious on your first year here, what led the decision actually to come here first? Oh my God, I love that question. I, being in theater, being in acting and dancing, I always heard about LA, especially from professionals who had done well, because in my senior acting class in high school, we had professionals who had really done well come to us and talk to us, and these classes really impacted me greatly. And they always talked about LA. So I had this seed in my mind, like I'm gonna need to figure out how to get to Los Angeles for a week to see what it's like out there. So there's that seat in my head, and I was in my first year of college, small liberal arts in Baltimore, in the suburbs, great school. I didn't realize that growing up in New York, I was used to being around so much diversity and stimulation and stuff. And so I remember being like, I need a big experience of college. (laughs) I had gone to my third week of school. I had gone to a University of Maryland party and there was like men. It wasn't an all-girls school, but my school had been an all-girls school in the past. And the ratio, high school, the ratio was like four guys to every woman college it's the same ratio i'm like i need to be around men (laughs) oh my god (laughs) not saying anything down about guys in the arts yeah i was like ah (laughs) and so i realized i'm bored (laughs) and my friends even saw it (laughs) my friends even saw it in my face they knew i was gone i was gonna transfer after going to that it was like a pajama jam at university of maryland and and or was it Towson okay whatever I think it was University of Maryland and so I'm applying to schools because my you know how amazing is it that I have access to this but my family they're like like if you want to transfer transfer you just have to do it yourself and make it work Mm. and so I realized as I was sitting bored in my room in Maryland I had wanted to be within three hours of New York but I realized I could be bored in a room anywhere in the world So I applied to a few different schools, and one of the schools I got into was USC, which is in LA, University of Southern California. And I almost, I'm sharing the details because I feel like life tends to work out in a really funny way. Uh Like if I wasn't miserable at my first school, I wouldn't have probably come out here ever. It was between going to Atlanta to Emory or University of Southern California. I know how entitled I sound. And at that time, (laughs) we're going to get more entitled. I went on birthright, free trip to Israel if you have, you know, a Jewish background at all. And everyone on my trip was like pretty awful. We had a bad group. They were super entitled. It was just my group, like the tour guide and everything was like, your group is the worst. And my one friend in the group that wasn't cliquish and was nice was from LA. He was the only one from LA. And every day he would tell me how great USC was. So I ended up going to USC, deciding that I wanted to have an experience of Los Angeles without feeling like I needed to make it work. Oh, okay. 
Wow. <laughs> is my extended story. I like I like that you're sharing it because now it's documented and you can share it with your grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grandkids! That means I'll have kids. Yes. <laughs> um, I, don't know, I mean, I'm assuming that you want kids. I, I do want kids. You did. Yeah. So I went. I got my degree there. The I remember my first day, like at school. It's August, 80 degrees. I've never seen so many blonde people in my life. Never seen so many skateboards. Oh, yeah. I felt like I was in Saved by the Bell. And I had <laughs> long jeans, like tight jeans and Jordans. Wait, what year was this? This is 2007, fall of oh, 2007. Oh, my God. Okay, now I'm trying to get context of what the fashion is. Yeah, it was, I just had never, and I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm hot. And, like, hot. And, oh, my God, Saved by the Bell. And, like, what is this alternate universe that I've crawled this into? alternate universe. So when, throughout your whole college experience, were you at the same time pursuing dance? Or were you just all in that college at the time? Oh, man. I was thinking about college today because, and I, I'm answering your question within this. I was like, I always spread myself so thin. I don't know that I was able to fully ex enjoy anything i was because i had transferred there were all these extra credits i had to take i had a full credit load because i wanted to do as much as possible yeah and so oh, i did that a lot and i felt like i lost a, I lost a part of myself it wasn't bad like i was having the best time and it was good for my development but like my dance self i wasn't getting fully fed and so i joined a dance crew on campus and then the next year i was like i want to create my own because i'm not finding here what i want fully mm -hmm. so i created a dance crew usc recognized organization and i would sometimes get a friend to drive me to class um in hollywood or north hollywood so i founded outrage i learned so much through those experiences because i needed to ask for help it was community coming together because i couldn't do it on my own yeah and i was in charge and i didn't think anything of it taking on that leadership but for better and for worse it was like that year i was an ra which means I was an RA in the most intense area of campus to be one where you create programming and you're basically like a live-in nanny oh, wow. for, for student housing. I was working a job tutoring athletes. I was teaching a dance class. I had outrage and then I had a full course load. So you didn't Did I answer your question? I forgot what it was. Well, I'm just like, I was really oh. just asking like how, if you were able to pursue your passion in dance or career in dance while you're... I, USC. I know someone who who did oh her name is brandy and i'm forgetting her last name she was before me and she was able to i couldn't have i couldn't imagine that i didn't even know how to drive yet oh yeah because you lived yeah in, you lived in new york so you didn't have to worry about yeah in the longer run i find that all of these things weren't trivial and i learned things and built skills and all these different scenarios i've continued to take on things in leadership and leadership has always worked better for me and felt more within my purpose than yeah. purely being the dancer mm. and so the things that i learned i was throw i threw myself into having an organization and dance crew on campus and when things worked I got props, but kind of like you get in this bubble sometimes when you create something where the people around you get to communicate around it, but like people don't talk to you as much about oh, it. Same thing yeah, with the yeah, podcast. Yeah. People will usually get more feedback who've done it as a guest than me who hosts it. And it's just, I mean, I'm saying it's like you just don't I, I know. I noticed that, yeah. You just don't know, does anyone watch this, whatever. But I, it was, it was very nice. And then also when things didn't go so well with the dancers, it was like raw, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So after USC, when did you actually start pursuing dance? I think it was, like, oh yeah, it was right pursuing dance. And I say that because 
I didn't. I was figuring out what to do. My I'm a senior in college, and I'm home for spring break. And I decided it was my mom who was like, "Honey, maybe just make a decision, try something." Because I didn't know if I was gonna go get a nine to five, do Teach for America, where you teach for a school in need for a couple of years. Like I didn't know what I was gonna do. And my mom said, "You've been talking about dance for a really long time. Maybe." This is, you know, like if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it. So, so I chose to do it. Oh my gosh. So cool. And it was the same thing really also with going to California. Like you've been talking about LA for a long time. I don't want you to go across the country, but if it's going to fulfill something for you, do it. That's cool. So yeah, I'm really fortunate. And uh, (laughs) this whole episode. A lot of Filipino parents would have told Filipino kids, at least growing up for me to that dance is a waste of time. It's just a hobby or something for fun and it's not something you can pursue realistically okay a little bit more background <laughs> i know so it's so common to have that mm-hmm. my mom pursued a career teaching piano and giving master classes and all these things so she also doesn't have like a reasonable yeah so she gets she gets oh it. yeah so she can't talk so she just said like as long as you're paying your bills go follow your dreams yeah just pay your bills and So I made the decision and then I graduated college and here's one thing that no one talks about that I wish I had been given a warning about. When you graduate college, sometimes you're drained from like those 13 years of schooling plus preschool. I was, I was in a, not clinically, but I was in a depression. I was in a funk. I watched Lifetime that whole summer. (laughs) I watched Grey's Anatomy and one other show. I went through the whole series up to that date and I, I like, I didn't know where to start plus like I didn't know what to do with myself. Plus, I was exhausted. So, yeah, it's so thirteen years of being in a structure. Now that you're now you're out on your own, you got to figure it out on your own. Yeah, and so, college and, can be stressful. And yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, and then now that the 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 gas is off or the pressure's gone, it can be pretty exhausting. So, and I think that's one thing that should be okay for a lot of people. That when you're tired, like when you after putting, especially taking on a, a whole lot of work, especially with what you were doing, it makes sense that. There, there has to be a rest period before going back. And I think, I mean, especially now, because everything is, the whole social media, everyone is presenting that they've made it. Mm. I feel like there's a lot more pressure to quote unquote make it. So interesting. And I think that's one thing, because for me, when I when I was younger, I, I think 16, I was like, oh, I'm going to be married by 21. So, <laughs> but then 21 happened. I'm like, just, I'm working at an animation studio, but completely different. Awesome. But it's one thing to keep in mind is that you the thing you want isn't always going to come at the timeline you expect because it's one of my favorite lessons that i got from my teacher was like whatever however long you think it's going to take triple that because yeah life will reward you quote unquote at the when it time when it sees fit not when you see fit yes and are you willing to put in those years if without the returns and so with dancing at the same time and i I don't know exactly what the ratio of lifetime versus like taking class was but i was going to the studios i was taking dance class i was going out to dance events i was figuring out how to get an agent like i was also figuring out how to ever have an agent i did i don't even know if the agency's still around it was a ddo no it was trio oh no maybe they're around for commercial but trio and then i had a commercial agent yeah you you're just representing yourself now huh? i'm repping for myself damn see the g i think <laughs> the g that's her logo what do you got that's one thing that i think a lot of dancers think they need is agents mm-hmm. to get 
the it work? serves something, but it's not needed. I've, I've never had an agent. Awesome. To when I I've just been blessed to have friends to book me. Aww. So and then the power of networking right there. So when you go to auditions, make friends with everyone because you never know who's gonna book you for the next thing, or or who makes it and then you know they book you. Yeah, that's why like I think it's but for the longest time, I thought I needed to have an agent, and then. When I had friends who made it further along and they brought me along, I was like, oh, okay, as long as I am not a dick and I perform well and yeah. maintain relationships, it's going to be, it's not really needed, but it's a tool, so to speak, to help build your, I guess, put yourself out there, so to speak. I think it's really easy to think, look at it backwards and look at the constructions that the industry have before how we are as humans, meaning like mm. looking at, an, I need an agent to get a job. Agencies were invented to help funnel jobs, help negotiate contracts and get you to auditions that you might not be able to get to yourself, mm. right? But before then, there were, do you know what I mean? Like you still had dance industry and jobs that needed to be booked. Yeah. And so I think that agencies can serve that, especially if you're a strong auditioner, especially if you want access to the things and auditions that the agency provides. Mm. Especially, you know, it, it can be a great uh, entity to work in conjunction with. However, if you look as humans, like, if you are working on your craft, if you are connecting with other people, and then also if you have good energy, because I looked at people that I knew that are super talented that would always be like, I'm not getting booked, man, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I wondered like, what is it about this really talented person who crushes it? For me, the thing that I pinpointed in common was that they started having a dark cloud over their head. Not that you can't be negative, but like, I don't know that's an energy that somebody would want to bring on set. Yeah, because then it becomes like a like a little a cancer that kind of affects the whole production. One of my favorite things like learning from art school is like you can be the most talented guy in the room, but if you're a dick, you know, no one's gonna want to work with you. And then also like um, being entitled to something coming your way versus mm. making it happen. Like if you want to go and be in a music video for a certain artist. And it's not happening and it's not moving. Work on the style of dance you need. Create your own content that's in line with that. Mm -hmm. Like, don't expect someone to push your career for you. Oh, yeah. It's almost like have, watching someone else do push-ups and then expect you to get the results. Yeah. That's a good one. And also, like, with fitness, you need to put in the work and then you need to strategize if something's not working for you you yeah. try a different approach oh yeah you look at it holistically and then the proof is in the pudding and also wait one more thing because do you have dancers watch this this is yeah cool so you have so many dancers in la and another thing is that let's say that you're killing it and crushing it it doesn't mean you can't make it right away but let's say in your room with 200 200 other faces or even 50 feeling like, okay, I crushed it, I should have been booked. I understand that feeling, but you don't know if 50 people around you have been in those audition rooms for five years more than you. Yeah. There's something to be said about keep continuously showing up. Yeah, because Shabu was a mutual friend of ours. We were just talking about, you guys might have already heard the other podcast, but he talks about go auditioning for certain things three, four, five times before actually making it. And it's, I think that's the first rejection for a lot of people is where a lot of people quit. Mm -hmm. And it's getting used to the fact that you're going to get no's a lot. Uh, and then it's being able to, to plow through that to get to the one yes. And it's okay to also not be okay with it and not to pursue it in that way. Like for me, pursuing dance in the traditional way for a professional dancer, I came to this really difficult term of 
dang, this is really not how I want to spend hours of my life. That's how I felt when I going and through okay. two auditions. It might be worth for some people. For me, I just wanted to do something else. And it's okay. I think having that realization and being okay with that, it takes a lot to kind of let that part of the dream go, I guess. Yeah, it was so hard too. And the only way that that happened was I, long story short, and I have an episode where I talk about this on Dance Speak plugging, okay. but I had Lyme's yeah. disease. It'll, it'll be oh. in the link in the description so you yeah. guys can listen to it. I had Lyme's disease and do you know about... Yeah, I know about okay, it. Okay, cool. So basically you get bit by a tick or something mm -hmm. that has it and then you can get a host of symptoms ranging from psychosis to exhaustion to joint pain. Oh, I don't know about the psychosis. Mm -hmm. It can worried? change your mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was extremely fatigued and without going into it because of time and stuff, I, I, I was knocked out. There was a month where I was in bed more than half of the day and if I even had a conversation with someone, I'd be so exhausted I'd have to sleep. Wow. And so in that time, I was knocked out and I had the opportunity. I couldn't help but look at my life. And nothing. It, my recovery wasn't guaranteed. And so... Whoa. Yeah. So imagine looking at your life. And I had been auditioning. I'd been doing dance work, all this stuff. And I realized the thing that I'd be really sad about not coming back to is dance itself as an mm. art form and movement. Mm. However, all of that time that I was spending in the audition process, I was not listening to my inner compass, which was telling me like, you have a different path to go. Mm. And I felt like a rat in a rat race and I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And you're not that if you audition, it's just for me, I have a different trajectory and path. So hard to accept, but I had a shortcut to it because I was so sick that I could actually sit back and look at my life. Oh, you had the opportunity to take a step back and see what, what's happening on the field and kind of change things up. Yeah, I, th I think it's, especially since it is more the common path, like doing choosing something different is, uh, a little further back, it was a lot harder. It's I feel like it's much more common now yeah. with social media. Anyone can become a personal brand and kind of, become uh get booked as doing choreography or i loved teaching mm -hmm. but i also wanted to, to take it to a level where i can teach online uh, so i teach court i have an online course which is one of the ways i make income from dancing so uh, there's a lot of ways to make money off what you love it, it's i think my favorite quote from tony robbins is like be attached to the goal but be flexible in how you get there yes that's all. Yeah, because it's like, what, you know, what is it about your goal that you feel? I've asked myself that a lot. What is it about it that has you want it? Yeah. And so, like, I was, after being sick and stuff, I went back into acting and started with commercial agent and this and that. And it was like, well, what do I like about it? I like the play. I like the self-expression. Okay, can you get that in another way that feels even better to you? The answer was yes. Mm. One thing that I always love with our conversations is we always get into the topic of mindset. We always like share resources of who we're listening to. I was just geeking out the fact that you have Ramit say he's uh, new. I will teach you to be rich, and he his method of handling finances is like changed my life. Dang. Okay, so now I'll really keep on reading it. Yeah, his his whole perspective on automation. Mm -hmm. Most majority of my finances are in automate are automated, so I never have to think about. I just know I had there's a certain amount I have to hit each month. But then I'm good. That's amazing. And also like the way to me, you're very into, I call it like lifestyle. Not I personally, but you know, lifestyle, having it all work, career, empowering others. And 
the avenues that you've built, I don't know if you'd have the same time to do it if you were pursuing dance the way everyone else is. No, I, See, don't, I really don't think I would. There's probably a reason why you felt pulled in another direction because I think you're greater of greater contribution this way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Like, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I take a look at my friends who are out there training, taking classes. I'm like, man, I I feel like I should be doing that and continuing in my, improving my craft in that sense. But then I, I, then I take class and I'm like, I'm not driven. It's great. Yeah, the shoulds. I like um, Christina Ship, who I interviewed. She said, she all says, don't let life should on you. And whenever I get into the shoulds, I ask myself like, okay, for real, because you, I can live my life differently. Yeah. Do I really want to take on what I think I want to take on? Yeah. It, it's the, the, the comparison trap. Oh my, and I can do it all the time. Now it's more with like relationships and I hate to admit it, but like relationships, like I'll see like, you know, people I used to date and I'm like, oh, they're engaged. It's so good for them. I'm so happy for them. But also what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I should be engaged right now. I, I should be happy. Should. I should be on a honeymoon in Bali. <laughs> so it looks like sometimes it's with career. I go into that whole lately. It's been more with that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I hear you. Like I see my friends like buying houses. Yeah, it's or, so funny. Yeah, it's like, wow. <laughs> like they're making that nurse money though, but yeah. But the metrics that we're using to compare ourselves are, it. oh my God, it sounds so <sighs> trivial. The metrics we mm, are using to compare ourselves true. are trivial. Like we could be comparing, you know, uh, based on our socks like oh their sock game is dope maybe if i spent more time shopping <laughs> I have for the socks, shittiest I'd sock. have. my socks suck <laughs> you know yeah it could be anything i think when i just kind of realizing it now when i get caught in that comparison trap i think there's a a certain thing there's a gap at that moment in time that i or something i feel like i'm trying to avoid then mm. i feel like when i look at them it, i think it's other oh, life must be so much easier but then there's a whole mess of complexities that i don't know yeah, and then also to add on to that, I've been told before, like when you get stuck in small problems, if I may call it that, yeah, like comparing yeah. yourself to other people, that's a small problem, you probably need to play a bigger game in your own life. And I'm Ooh. talking to myself. Yeah. Okay. So so I've had a number of things. Like yesterday, I'm like stuck on like, oh my God, Blank is engaged. So happy for them, but feel shitty inside. And then it's like, if I'm focused on contributing to others and playing a bigger game with my own career would that really bother me and the answer is mm. no when you're out there really doing your thing and more so than doing it for yourself like doing it for other people like if i'm focused on okay i'm gonna reach 100 million ears with my podcast next month because i know it's going to contribute if i'm focused on that then am i really I, there's it's actually not possible to go back into my mind and get stuck in my own shit oh yeah like instead of uh one of the things the leadership program I was in was like when you're stuck in your shit, focus out. Yeah. Because it's easy. Like we're too focused in in our heads. Like the whole classic, get out of your head and fall into your heart. Oh, I love. I've never heard that. That's like, amazing. That's one of the things we used to say in our in one of our leadership meetings because we were so so stuck in our head of how it's gonna get done, and we're not. We lose focus on like what's happening around us. The the whole the thing of what you think you should do versus what the moment needs from you. So does that mean you're looking for a, a boyfriend or yes. you're not? Okay. So quality guys, quality women, do not say. <laughs> Can you please like, just for me, could you like edit some hearts on the screen and make it look like a 90s dating videotape? Yeah, I'm down like to do Mauricio. that. Like so <laughs> Mauricio. You know what I'm talking about? From the Lower East Side. So, oh my God. Okay. What what else do you want to say? Like, what else do you want? Should we ask? She likes um, healthy food. She makes great coffee. 
this is I'm wide awake and wired from this. She's a very, very good listener, and she has a very strong heart. And this is I'm just I'm vouching for her now. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm trying to be your wingman. <laughs> That's so sweet. This podcast took an interesting turn. <laughs> I mean, of course, of course. It's okay. I'm gonna go there. It's so funny because I do also interviews for the You Got This Girl app. Uh-huh. Mel Ma, she has. If you have an iPhone, you got this girl. It empowers women and stuff. And they, I sometimes do their interviews for them. They'll have like a 20, 30 minute interview each month. And they oh, have wow. themes like flow, balance. And so I'm talking to my friend Tresla about flow. And we end up going into like a 10 minute conversation about our periods. And I'm like, this is where it ended up, which is fine. And Wait, yeah. Flow as in? It can mean anything. Flow? Oh, okay. It just flow. And we talk about flow of energy and flow in your life. And then we just start talking about periods for like. Wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. <laughs> well, I so mean, anyway, love doesn't life. bother me, but like... We need to, as a society, be able to not be prude about it because it happens to like 50% or I don't know how many women there are, 51%. Just more women than men. Yeah, like it's just a thing that happens in life. And even I was hesitant to bring that up because there's so much around it. And it's like... Get over it. Get get over it. <laughs> it's like me not wanting to talk about my feet. So um, love life. But the thing is that with love life, I realized I was in a course. We love our courses. And they were having you rate each area of your life and how high you would like that place in your life to be. Like, yeah. my finances are at a four. I want them at a five. My oh, social like the, life the is at a two. the domains of your life, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Okay. And then love life, I was like, I don't really care. And that's when I knew that I was bullshitting because how am I going to want fives on a scale of one to five in every area of my life, but my love life, I don't care about. Hmm. Because I'm so easily excited about career and stuff, but I I realized that I had a deep resignation around love life. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm just out of curiosity. What do you think is your lack of well, your lack of interest in it? It's I don't think it's a true lack of interest. I think it's It's at that that point point. I didn't, and I easily go to this. I think I wasn't believing that it could work or that I could meet someone that's really good for me and I'm good for him and our lives work well together. At the time, I associated it with feeling trapped versus feeling needy. Like, I had all this connotation and subtext around love life that was so disempowering, but I constantly found myself in situationships with guys. And it's like, if you. Situationships? Situationships. I've never heard heard of that. No. I did not make it up. I think I got it from a guy I was in a situationship with. It's like, it's like something when you really can't put a label on it, you're not committed, but you're like calling each other on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Okay. Or you're hanging out every day, but you're not labeling it. Okay. Situationship is the label for the non label. And so. Like, there was so much evidence in my life that I want partnership and I want to be with someone. But again, I was, I think I just didn't believe that I could have that or that what I wanted Mm. existed. And I had so much negativity that I needed to release from my ideas around love Mm. for me. Because for other people, I easily see it for them. Oh, I just didn't see it for us. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Like, what, do you read, do you you know about the five love languages? Yes. Well, it's funny because there's all this stuff that I had around love, like, like, my career I can just go for and and make it happen and believe in it and be romantic about it. But my love life, I was like not wanting to make an effort. And mm. What about, did you ever catch guys trying to make an effort or were you just oblivious to it? Well, like, cause it wasn't, no. it wasn't because relationships was so far out of your, 
well, not so far, but it wasn't your priority. I mean, I had an on and off again situationship for two to three years. Like, oh, okay. But he never wanted to commit. And so there was something for me to dig deep into. Why is it that I'm attracting guys who don't want to commit? Why am I attracted to them? And, huh, like that's a really yeah. interesting specific thing. The question was five, yeah. do you, do you, yep. have you heard of the five love languages? I read it. Do you, do you know what your love languages are? Yeah, it's touch and words of affirmation. Because I figured if it's, if somebody said the nicest things and bought me gifts and did acts of services, fixed my whatever, I, but they never gave me hugs, embraced me, I'd feel unloved. Ah. But I could have touch and not have other things and feel way more loved. Oh, and then okay. words of affirmation, is the secondary that's good yeah like i i freaking love the five love languages i think it was definitely a, a huge game changer in how i approach relationships because yeah. it's like now you now it's a matter because in my previous relationship it was like no matter how i try to to love it wasn't received because i was i was loving the way i liked being loved oh yeah yeah then that. that was a game changer like not meet them where they're at whoa so versus you know there's the whole thing of like oh you, you like I show you I love you. I do this, 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 and this, and that my my main love language is acts of service. So I do things. Yeah. So, but they, it doesn't land. For, it didn't land for the other person. Their other one was quality time. Oh yeah, and quality time. So, I was missing that so one. So yeah. that, and then for me, whenever we're doing quality time, I was on my phone checking emails from work, which was my, which was like where I fucked up at. So this is where, like, again, this being able to, I guess, to be humbled to see the, the way you're approaching it doesn't always work and then be willing to change things up to make it work is totally. this, is i think for me it was like the game changer of this book it was fucking amazing i think one of the things like especially now when whoever i work with now i ask what are your love languages because because oh, wow. then you know how to approach them i've never thought of that professionally it's a great idea because say like we're working on on set or something and you fit i just finished filming you just finished performing or whatever you just finished directing you're like your love language is physical touch so the professional way would be a high five or a pat in the back yeah wow and i get so lit up by like a high five yeah and just to say it's not that like guys have never tried or whatever it's just for what i know is good for, like in los angeles i feel like the culture is a little bit less direct with men approaching women and listen like there are guys who've expressed interest and stuff i just am at the point that if i don't think it's a good match i'm not you know yeah, i'm yeah. flattered i if i'm being really acknowledged i'm like oh my god thank you that's a gift but it doesn't mean that we're a match for each other yeah that's definitely something i've heard i think it might be a lot of guys because for me when i was growing up in college in terms of if i wanted to learn how to approach get a girlfriend outside of my group of friends because mm -hmm. that's not generally how it works new girl have, comes in a group of friends and then like, oh, everyone's enamored by her. And I was like, I hated that. Mm -hmm, so yeah. I wanted to learn how to approach girls. And I ha so for, I think, three years in college, like my entire college, like I was going out with friends to learn how to approach girls. That's awesome. So like, and it, this was like during the whole height of the p the pickup arts oh the thing. But as, and uh, there is a positive and negative to it. For me, it definitely helped me get out of my, sh my shell and deal with a lot of the social anxiety I experienced because I hated going to clubs. I hated going out. I always thought people were judging me for my hair, my appearance, but going out into the quote unquote field every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, I had to get over that if I wanted to get this goal of like learning how to confidently hold a conversation with a girl, hold a conversation with a group of 
of women or friends or group of friends I've never been I've never met mm-hmm. and it was it was a stretch every night and then accepting the fact that I was going to get nose a lot and it women scary cuz women we deal I know a lot of women that I know in myself we deal also with super aggression like my brother told me before because it's sometimes hard to read me if I'm interested in someone yeah. and I can be shy in social situations or with guys like I can get really bashful that the guys that make it through are the ultra aggressive ones mm. so maybe a guy who's more shy might be a little bit scared or in the middle might be scared but that guys who's like the guy who's like Ooh, sorry. Ooh, girl, like, you got it going on. Let me take you out. Blah, blah, blah. Who's going to make it through? And then I'll be like, I'm starved for attention. Okay. But sometimes women, it's like we've been so aggressively talked to that it's our own shit. It's, yeah, they, we it, don't even get the kindness that's, of being approached. That's what I That's what I, ex- I was told to expect because they probably have been approached so much aggressively in the wrong way. They're probably going to be, they're going to have, I think we called it the bitch shield. Oh, my God. Because it, it was probably, it was like, it was to protect themselves from, from assholes. But also what I hope for, and I think it's great that you do that, and what I've appreciated is when a guy, it's, there's, this is a whole own conversation. Yeah, another if, podcast episode, I know, right? really. Which I love, though. Like, I'm down. If a guy, and this is the same thing with career, if he's approaching you with confidence and belief in himself and is really just acknowledging what he likes about you or just approaching you and talking to you like a person, I think it can open it up more. And if you're in the right state of mind, like even like with DMs or whatever, there are guys that'll sometimes be flirtatious, but they'll say something sweet. And at this point in my life, I really am, I'm really grateful. Maybe that's what they want or not what they want, but I'm like, thank you. You know, me over here in my PJs at 7 p.m. working my ass off really appreciates this acknowledgement or compliment or whatever. Yeah. That's so funny you brought up the DMs because the whole social media culture, everything's so different in terms of dating or networking in general because it's so easy to just communicate to anyone yeah and i remember uh when i was single for a little bit for that like for one a, month little, yeah. <laughs> i don't even know you. <laughs> you i just know you like i've always admired how like you're with someone uh-huh. and so that's where that comment came from. <laughs> when i when i was single i was like fuck i gotta go i gotta start going out again mm-hmm. like i gotta i start doing cold approaches we call it like you know like if we see someone in the street we would actually have to go up to them and cold approach them and say actually start a conversation and i was doing this for a while by myself trying to get back myself in the field like i would like a uh, classic three second rule you see a girl you find attractive uh, you go up to them and i'm like and i was trying to the quote-unquote pickup game had changed to be to be less gimmicky but be more natural about uh, about not being a dick or a mm-hmm. douchey or alpha quote-unquote i mean i was more like hey saw you over there just didn't want like i gotta go or whatever i don't remember what i say but like just thought i'd tell you you look nice something like that but Mm -hmm. it was like trying to actually because it's not normal for people to go up and compliment each other so that's why but it was scary but that's what i was doing for a while then i discovered like not really discovered i got over my resistance of tinder and okay cupid and i started doing that and that's a whole thing in itself like, I've been I've been swiping lately. I didn't for a long time, and now I'm like, whatever. I'm not meeting guys in public or whatever. I might as well enjoy it and take it with a light heart. Yeah. And so I actually met up with someone this week, and I, I see when things come up, but I know, like, don't expect them. If somebody suddenly unmatches, don't make it mean anything. Yeah. Also, don't feel like you have to have a conversation if you're uncomfortable. Are you in Bumble? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I like Bumble because when I was single, I I, I took the pressure off me because I felt like I a lot of the girls. I know I hate you have to approach the guy first. Yeah, <laughs> just like me. This is what sh- that was me most of the time. I hate that. <laughs> I really hate it, but I feel like Bumble feels like a safe Cause in then, between. Because then when you match the guys, as because when I talk to the, uh, my friends who were on it and then the girls who I dated I would always ask how many how many matches did you get and how did they approach you because because oh. w- w- it in that case in that point it's mo- really more of a numbers game instead of a like like how can you catch their attention like I went to like marketing at this at this point like how can I catch their attention and be different because the common thing I knew was guys would always t- the first a lot of them would just say hello I've done that and then they and they would just be like, I get a lot of this. Like, what? What? Say something different. So for me, I had to be witty. Yeah, a lot. it helps. But I'm like, I, I've now started to see, as opposed to two years ago, guys are like, just don't open with a generic line. And I'm like, oh my god, that was me until I started being on Bumble and realized how judgmental I was over how guys open a conversation. Oh, so it it flipped. Oh my god, yes. And so. I catch myself in between wanting to say something smart and witty and being like, screw this. I'm starting the conversation because the app won't let them start the conversation. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one thing I appreciated about Bumble is like it takes the pre- like for me as someone who was always doing the approaching it. I felt the pressure was off. Yeah. So because like, then she gets to choose like on her terms, like and how she wants to approach it but then it's kind of nice to hear on the other side because i've never talked to anyone about the the other side of bumble and then the whole time because i'm not on there for hookups or anything i'm always like wondering is he a pervert i feel like the guys are wondering is she crazy and i'm wondering is he a pervert and so today he asked me to take like a picture i did say something about i was still in my pjs but Mm -hmm. i did not mean it in a sexy way i promise i was like in my zebra onesie (laughs) on top of an old pair i have a unicorn onesie so (laughs) we should have done it in those and he's like send me a picture and now (laughs) he's like send me a picture and (laughs) you uh, sent him a picture of your zebra onesie no i didn't i've done that sexy enough for you (laughs) I know. No, I once... Okay. We haven't had one real... Conver- like, a deep conversation yet. Oh, so yet. there's no real rapport. There's no real rapport. So I was just like, nope. And then I tried to lighten it up. But, like, it's not that cute, but it's cute. Mm. But I was just like, don't ask me for a picture. Yeah, I barely know you. Right? I don't know. Because pi- pictures... I once sent a picture of my foot, like, with my sock. This guy I was acquaintances with, he was like, send me a picture. And I'm like, picture of my... F- like there's nothing you can do with that and uh, he sent me a dick pic in return wow that's bold and so i was well, scarred for that, life that's yeah some people do that. i remember no apparently was, it's a problem he has oh can you not okay I, I remember handling uh a social media account of a future of a mutual friend of ours for her company <laughs> do you know I, th- I think you know what i'm talking about no maybe? cool i'll keep it at that for now i'll tell you off camera though okay. i was her social media account is consists of very beautiful women but the thing is, I was handling all the posting, and oh, I she was appro- uh, She was just approving all the posts, and then I just get some of these DMs, and I'm just getting dick pics. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is the first time I had ever experienced this, I've and never I was shook. This on Instagram. So I got it like a couple times on their Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that sucks. Damn, this is what you go through. Yeah. I was disturbed. Oh my god. <laughs> but it's rude, at, at crude or whatever. But it's also bold in a way. To it's, put yourself out there to be potentially 
scrutinized and judged no. and be put on Reddit. It's or, <laughs> or how about this? In person, would you flash somebody? That's true. It's this. It's similar. I understand you have the buffer of a phone, but your phone is still your personal device. I understand if someone feels like they've been given a go ahead through flirtation. Yeah, I could understand the argument there, but like. I'm sending a picture of a sock. We have no background, nothing. Like, that's. that's <laughs> oh, she sent me her foot. Yeah, yeah, I just. I feel like. What's up, girl? Men and women, and however you identify, one of the best things I learned around flirtation is to be really mindful of the acceleration and deceleration if you're more interested. Push pull. Yeah, be. Notice if somebody's pulling back, you can mirror that space and respect and honor that space. Yeah, that's one thing I, I learned a lot when I was doing the whole pickup arts thing. You have to learn how to read the read the body language because if she's uncomfortable, you're fucking up. And so it's, like, and it's a matter it's a matter yeah. of not just the right line. It's learning how to read their like how to make them feel comfortable and safe with you. Yes. Sorry, you were saying. No, that was it. I could go like I would just be repeating myself. Yeah, I think that's really it. Yeah, dang, I, we went from dance to dating, and this is a very dance. interesting... This happened in my podcast so many times where I've had it. I think it's happened less, but it's happened so many times where we started talking about dating and, like, anything. That's freaking awesome. Uh, anything and everything. One thing, one question I, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to... It just came back <laughs> uh, about my mindset, going back to that topic. Yeah. What, I feel like mindset is a typical thing that say, like, you got to have the right mindset. Like, what... But how do you think people start developing the right mindset oh that's such a good question okay how do people well so when i hear that i think maybe positive mindset and positive does not mean that you just sugarcoat your life <laughs> when you're not there but continuously doing one better mm-hmm. and i think immediate access to that oh mindset okay different ways first of all the thoughts that you're feeding yourself what are Mm. you listening to who are you listening to and do you feel like your bigger self with it or does it make you feel good because i think our internal compass which i refer to or our gut will know it knows it senses right away if you feel elevated and energized or if you feel low from it like gossip might be exciting but you might find yourself trapped in it Mm, and feeling not like your bigger self yeah so i think First, like I started years ago, I remember I started listening to Deepak Chopra. I realized I'm listening Mm. to so much like there's amazing rap out there, but there's also a lot of ignorant stuff. And I was like, for all the ignorant stuff I'm hearing about hoeing and glorifying money and drugs. Let me listen to some Deepak Chopra. And that started shifting my mindset because his words and his thoughts and his energy were elevated. Yeah. And then I believe in do programs. Like you've done MITT, I've yeah. done Landmark, but it could be meditating. But finding something that gives you access to your own roadblocks and lets you have breakthroughs in your life. Mm. And not, ha- is it okay that this is a long winded answer? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. It's and all you. I was talking about. I was talking about it with a friend yesterday about how self-help books, or I like to call it self-development, there can be something icky about it. And I think it's when it becomes about like the self-help and the self-development versus actually taking your lessons and applying them into your own life. Mm. And so access for that is when things are not working out taking a moment sitting back and that gives you access to something that doesn't work in your life whether it's your way of being whether it's the people you have so so far we have who and what you're listening to self-development programs i like them better than i think they're more in-depth than a book 
but mm-hmm. a book can do it or meditation, yeah. finding what clicks with you and then having a daily dose of it, a weekly dose of it. Yeah. Mindset. It's who you surround yourself with. It doesn't mean throw your friends in the gutter. Mm-hmm. It, it just means like start paying attention to who, who feels elevated to you. Who do you get to be bigger self with? Does yeah. bigger self make sense? You think to people who haven't done that's not like I, I think I think bigger self makes sense like there's that the, the more like closer to your higher potential yes closer to your higher potential and not being self I'm not trying to be self-righteous about it or anything because I know that sometimes like we've done programs sometimes there are words that will be used within the programs but when you use them outside it can sound yeah, jargony yeah because one, one thing that we learned definitely learned in the programs is is words are very powerful especially how you use them with others and with yourself yeah it can really help with how you view certain things uh, and one thing i really like that you said was you know like your higher potential one of th- uh, there's something i remember uh, i loved saying before was called the integrity gap there's what your potent what you can your higher potential what you can actually do and what you end up doing for real you have the potential to help someone you have the potential to i don't know start that business eat a healthier meal but then there's what you actually do and then in that is the integrity gap because uh, which leaves space for you to feel icky, sad, depressed, or upset at yourself. So when we perform at our higher potential and make that choice aligned with it, we we kind of level ourselves up. Yeah. If that's making sense. Yeah. I, I think like one of the first words that made a difference for me, it's when I started doing yoga and it was within the branding of the studio. They had, I think, excellence in there. Mm-hmm. And so when I didn't want to wake up in the morning, this word in my head, excellence, would pop in and then I would get out of bed because I wanted to be excellent. Mm-hmm. And I have times when I feel motivated. I have the mindset of wanting to like where I could just scratch like scratch everything off the slate right now and start over and do better in a big way. Mm-hmm. And there are times more often where it's about the baby steps. Let me just do slightly better than I normally would mm. because over time it adds up. Yeah, I love that because people think they have to do something grand to make the progress, but it's like the famous thousand, uh, journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yes. And I like saying a lot, progress is progress no matter how small. You know, one out of 1,000 is better than zero out of zero. And then getting really specific, my own mindset, I think, because this is super like the conversations I have with myself, is am I on my purpose? Am Mm -hmm. I in my journey? And I use what's not working because trust, especially if you're going out of your comfort zone, things will not work. If you're Mm -hmm. operating at a new level, things will not work because your life is designed and you are operating on the way of exactly how things have been going, which is not bad. But when all of a sudden, you know, if you go to a different country, you have new climate you have like you need to expand into the new space so you're going to notice if all of a sudden you go to warm weather from warm weather to cold weather you learn the importance of wearing a coat or you know preparing we're having an umbrella you know so i constantly am thinking am i doing my best my access to everything is how do i feel Mm. i started making things more about because i think like the macro the out there the am i in my purpose which i just said Um, Am I contributing to people? Mm. Could I be better? Could I do better? But then also I go back to how I feel because if I feel crappy, like, yes, granted, things will happen like before, you know, there's something with a client. I'm like, "Ah." but if I feel icky, that's my experience of life. So I then my health and wellness, sometimes physical practices like I know now when I need more sleep. Sometimes like I'll be really upset and stuff and I have to just ask myself, did I eat enough? Did I sleep enough? Yeah. You just reminded me of something because I, I shared recently on Instagram 
uh, something I learned from from anger management is halt. Mm. Never deal with serious things or never never get into a serious conversation if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So and and it's like it's the like if pretty much if your basic needs aren't met because I, I remember reading from the, da- the Daily Stoic, it doesn't matter how wise you are or how smart you are, if your basic me- needs aren't met, you're not going to perform at your highest level. You're going to be hangry. You're going to be you're going to be triggered. You're going to be a little bit more emotional in responding instead of, in reacting instead of responding. I started. I think it was last year, or the year before. I was in such a state of despair on my birthday. It was like I mean, I was crying. I was having these crazy like thoughts, just things that I don't even normally think. Just I'm like scared to say it because I like to be grounded, and and I was just a hot mess. And then I went to the chiropractor. Because a lot of the time when I'm super emotional, it's something, it's hormones can be off in your body. It could mm. be a subluxation in your spine. He adjusted me and I suddenly felt better. Oh, wow. Isn't that so crazy? But it's because also it has to do with your endocrine system and the distribution of your hormones. A hormonal imbalance can mean that you feel utterly depressed mm. or angry or yeah. sad. And so I've also learned to those basics take care of. Mm. In terms of handling those basics, you just mentioned mentioned going to the chiropractor what Mm -hmm. else other ways do you take care of the endocrine i'm so obsessed with this well can i just the overall system yeah can i so i go right now i do acupuncture once to twice a week Hmm. i try to do that um i don't like the word try but i attempt to go to the chiropractor once a week but if not i'm going every other week i find that i need to do something active three to four times a week and that's something that i got stuck in like in the summer I'm working so much I'm choreographing so much I was so hard on myself that I wasn't in dance class Mm -hmm. but when I took a step back and looked at my life I was constantly moving Mm. so my level of activity can shift Mm. so I'm active I eat 80% clean 20% not clean Mm -hmm. but I'm usually putting good things in my body I've seen the meals you make man (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you but I, I found like what my balance is with that I hydrate a lot and then sleep I prioritize sleep it doesn't mean I'm always getting tons of sleep but i'm doing my best to get eight to nine hours a night Mm, super important yeah so chiropractor acupuncture sleep hydration i fall off of this but ideally i'm getting body work uh, massage therapy once a month that's the ideal even better than that would be every other week because i hold a lot of tension in my muscles i use this all a lot but at the bare minimum i have all of the above and then lastly spending meaningful social time with people human meaningful human interaction Mm, that's something i need to work on and that's when i started all of these things listen my highs and lows in any given day can be like this but um (laughs) but i'm the happiest that i've ever been and i attribute it to this because i started looking at balance having balance in my life and when i prioritized balance i could see what's imbalanced in my life and so instead of just focusing on career i'm focusing on well-being because that's out of balance Mm, and then i found these certain things keep me in balance. So balance, I would actually say, is the primary mindset I even forgot. And meaningful human interaction, it usually means sharing a meal with someone, this type of conversation. Like, I was upset not at you. I was in a different state when you saw me earlier today. And here we are sitting down talking and sharing, and I'm in a whole different state. Yeah. And so that's been a big game changer. That's freaking awesome. I I love how you said the importance of balance. Uh, And... Because a lot of people end up going like hardcore into one, you know, like tunnel vision, one thing. Which I've done. And I think it, it's also like 
I think almost relative if it works for you and your ecosystem of life and friends and family if you're that you're okay with focusing on one thing that's cool but most people it it's important to be able to check in with certain things because if you're unhappy on one thing it's probably it's probably going to bleed on to the rest of it it's also a law of nature like our bodies have to keep homeostasis or else we die Mm. there needs to be the ecosystem the ecosystem which is in trouble but things need to be in a certain equilibrium and balance yeah. otherwise they don't survive dance careers if you're overworking your body not resting enough you're going to have a shortened career yeah it just it's will work for so long yeah all right i i recently asked this question to shabu's right before this and i was thinking about it on the drive what do you want people to say about you when you're gone i knew you were gonna ask that i mean i knew it just now Oh man, okay. You knew what that specific question or is like something? Yeah, it was something when you're gone, like what do you want you know what do I want people to one more time say about you? To say about you. Disclaimer, this is what I'm coming up with in the moment. I don't know if it's my ultimate answer. It'll change. She made me feel better about myself and see something even bigger in myself than what I could see. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because I've been curious lately, like what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? Because it's like, because we're talking about my Angelou quote, like people are going to remember how you made them feel over what you accomplished. So it's, now I'm curious, like what would people say? So I thought I'd ask Yeah, thank you. I want to, I mean, I want people to have a form of they were, they felt more joyous, but also they felt expanded Mm -hmm. because I feel my purpose is to have people under, feel understood, connected with, and to have, to be even more motivated and see something for themselves because we can see things for each other that we don't see for ourselves that's so true like i'm <laughs> hell-bent on having people live a, even a better life yeah because we i don't mean in a self-righteous way because i want to be of contribution to people yeah. and that's how i see myself being able to be of contribution wow so where can people find you stalk you and <laughs> take the, see pictures of your foot. <laughs> I'm addicted to Instagram. Hi, my name is Galit, and I'm addicted to Instagram. I also f- wait just one second. Oh, I found this ear stud on the floor. I've been looking for it. Good Instagram. Thing I was <laughs> <laughs> Instagram at gogalit. G O G A L I T. They took down like all my dance footage almost, but Instagram all the other cracking stuff. down with the music, man. So now it's gonna probably look like she says she dances, but all I see is crop tops and fitness. <laughs> <laughs> but, Liar. <laughs> gogalit. G O G A L I T. The podcast Instagram where we tend to we are best to post with all the episodes at dance speak podcast the podcast can be found on itunes and google play music just type in dance speak it's one word d-a-n-c-e-s-p-e-a-k i'm on facebook but i don't check it that much and my website which emory and your team created <laughs> gogalit.com or you can just do my full name galitfriedlander.com is that everything that's pretty much everything everything also, she just mentioned is going to be the link in the email? description yeah if you, if, you, if you want to work with yeah. her as as your coach so <laughs> whether it's fitness whether it's dance and choreography i also don't advertise this but i have a full background in coaching so i have like a uh, accountability coaching client that i have who she's been making more money doing more in her life and everything Damn. since we started i know i feel like there's a lot of space for coaching now but Anything you want to contact me for via email is galit, G-A-L-I-T, dance, D-A-N-C-E, lander at gmail.com. 
Is that everything? Anything else? My address. No. <laughs> my social address. security number, her phone number. I'm just kidding. My credit card. <laughs> this is my Amazon wish list. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised what people will do with your wish list. I know I have a friend who's a uh, Instagram influencer, and she has her Amazon wish list on public, and they're just buying her stuff. So <laughs> I'm just saying. So that's all. Everything mentioned to connect with Galit is going to be the link in the description, whether on Spotify, iTunes, if you're watching this on YouTube on all the other channels I'm going to be uh, sharing this. Other than that, that's it. I appreciate you, Galit, for taking time out of your day to be on this podcast and take us on a journey of interesting conversations. If you guys like this video, make sure you hit like, subscribe, share this with friends who you think might benefit from it, whether you're watching it or listening to it, actually. Other than that, I appreciate you guys, love you guys, and I will see you guys soon. Peace. That's a really nice button, and if you choose to keep this, I want to acknowledge you because you're always constantly creating and continuing with what it is that you're making in this world. So even just seeing the way that you've been, could we say your media company, your creative company, I love that years later, you're still doing it, which means so much in this world where people are stopping and going, starting something and not following through. Uh -huh. And as someone we've worked together and you've helped me with content and all that stuff, I love that you're so committed to your vision, vision paradox, and <laughs> just the way that you came here and brightened up my day. So thank you. I appreciate you. Peace. No. <laughs> that was so good. All right, keep me that in the, as, a, as the new closer, everyone. Love you guys.